This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Dakota Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And we're happy to be back after our unexpected break this Tuesday. I broke my wrist while skating on Saturday night and had a minor complication, but I'm happy to be back and able to come back on the show. On today's show, I'll be updating you on campus and local news. Then I'll be hearing some highlights from the ASCSU election debates that took place this Tuesday. I'll be delivering some national news, and KCSU Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum has prepared some updates as well. To conclude the show, Coda will be giving us some updates on COVID-19. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and here's today's local news. A student who formerly worked as a server during football games at Canvas Stadium is suing Colorado State University after she says that the school failed to take appropriate action after she was sexually assaulted by boosters, according to Kevin Little at the Coloradoan. The civil suit alleges that Caitlin Schuyler was sexually assaulted on multiple occasions during the 2019 season by booster Michael Best while she served Best's loge box. The suit says that Best touched Shiler inappropriately and called Shiler and a co-worker vulgar names during an early September game while they worked for Spectra serving guests in loge boxes during football games. The suit also alleges during another game in October, she was touched in an inappropriate manner by Best and Scott Shell, a guest in the box, as she served them both in the same lodge box. Best's attorney told CBS Denver that Shiler's accusations are false. And Shell told CBS, quote, The accusations listed against me are absolutely false. I fully cooperated with law enforcement in Fort Collins, who came to the same conclusion. I will continue to cooperate with the civil proceedings, and I fully expect the same outcome, end quote. CSU spokeswoman Del Rey Sierra told the Colorado Inn on Wednesday, quote, While CSU generally does not comment on pending litigation, some allegations against CSU regarding the university's response to this matter are factually inaccurate. CSU took appropriate measures to protect the student before its formal investigation into her allegations begin. CSU's first priority is the safety and well-being of our students, end quote. The lawsuit says that after she reported the incidents, Shiler was demoted in her role with Spectra to a job with less ability to make income, and eventually quit her job because of it. The suit also claims that Susie Worgan, Michael Best's wife and a Denver radio personality, realtor, and former Nine News anchor, used, quote, financial pressure to force the university to take a legal retaliatory action, which it eventually did take, end quote. A trial date for the lawsuit has not yet been set. The Cameron Peak Fire has now reached over 102,000 acres and remains at 4% containment, as reported by Miles Blumhardt at the Coloradoan. The fire is now the largest in Larimer County in history and the fifth largest in Colorado history. The recent snowfall has given the firefighters some hope and relief, with the area of the fire receiving 5 inches of heavy, wet snow. The snow will reportedly reduce the growth of the fire, but will not end it by itself, with fire spokesperson Paul Brugink noting, quote, that it will evaporate and melt off in the next couple of days and that the fire will still be going. This is not what we call a season-ending event. We need a series of these to put this thing out, end quote. There are currently 840 personnel on the fire crew. 
According to Kevin Duggan at the Coloradoan, the Larimer County Commissioners have asked the county's Board of Health to recommend to local school districts that they institute in-classroom learning as soon as possible and ask the board to apply for Colorado's less restrictive Protect Our Neighbors status in terms of COVID-19 response. During a Tuesday commissioner's hearing, the commissioner said they and local residents are frustrated by apparent inconsistencies in how schools are functioning in response to COVID-19 pandemic. Commissioner Tom Donnelly asked why the school buildings may be used for childcare and Colorado State University may have its residence halls open, but classroom instruction is considered unsafe, saying, quote, I don't understand the disconnect that can say we can open CSU, but we can't open elementary schools. It doesn't make any sense to me, end quote. Commissioner John Kefalos noted that Colorado State University and local school districts made their own decisions about how schools may operate. The county meets all of the state's criteria for the protect our neighbors level, except the number of positive cases per 100,000 residents over the past 14 days. The state standard standard is 25 per 100,000, while Larimer County has averaged 75 per 100,000 in recent days. However, commissioners argued this is only because Larimer County was doing more testing than other counties who meet that standard. Pooter School District students are learning remotely until at least October 19th, which is at the end of the first quarter. And that's it for today's local news. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins on the Rocky Mount Review. Now we're going to hear some of the audio highlights from the first night of ASCSU debates. The ASCSU Speaker of the Senate debate took place Tuesday, September 8th. The four candidates attending were Kyle Hill, Christian Dixon, Tristan Reyes, and Liz Today, each hoping to promote their platforms for how they would lead ASCSU Senate. The debate began with the candidates each answering what they felt was the most pressing issues facing CSU students at present. Hill, Today, and Dixon all mentioned COVID-19 among the chief issues, with Reyes and Dixon also mentioning systemic racism and racial tensions, and Today and Hill focusing on reducing high student fees. Early on in the debate, each of the candidates focused on their main messages and platforms, with Dixon and Reyes in particular using the early questions to draw attention to their policy positions, while Today and Hill focused on their personal characters. One of the main policy positions Reyes focused on was having the ASASU Senate work with the state of Colorado in specific state institutions to get things done, as seen when answering a question about engaging students in the upcoming U.S. elections. So my response to the question of how I'll get students engaged in voting this November, um, I'm working with the Colorado Student Government Coalition. As the chair of that coalition, I have been in contact with the Secretary of State's office. They're forming a statewide committee looking at how to get students engaged, how to get them in voting, understanding how to vote, when to vote, what methods you can vote, um, and all of the aspects of voting this November and making sure we have informed students who we know on a national level are underrepresented in the census, underrepresented in voting on a local and national level. So I'm hoping to work with that group to table, to announce, to post, to really make sure that students are aware of their rights and that they can get mail-in ballots, that they can vote in person if it's safe for them. So I'm really hoping to do that as far as the election goes. 
Reyes also focused on the intent and messaging behind his candidacy, focusing on issues of on-campus racism and addressing the voices of marginalized groups. My campaign, yes, is also built on a vision, but it's built on something more core, values that represent all students on this campus. It's evident that students don't feel heard, they don't feel represented, they don't see themselves in student government. As a queer person of color, I know all too well what it's like being on this campus and feeling underrepresented, not heard, like I'm out of place, having imposter syndrome. I want student government to be a place where you can come and we can serve you. Where students of all races, all genders, sexualities, identities can be heard, can feel respected. Diversity and inclusion is not just a buzzword for me, it's something I live every single day. Dixon spent much of the debate staying on his campaign's messaging, with his You First agenda taking up much of his answers, such as when he asked to describe his leadership style. You, when I step into a room, I, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be me consuming the time or consuming the energy or the, the conversation. I want it to be focused on you. And that's the way that I live my life. When I see somebody, it's not, oh, here I am, it's there you are. I want to hear your story and I want to know how I can support you. In terms of policy, Dixon also stayed focused on his micro-legislation plan, which he explained during the debate. A student named Max Hutto came to me. He's a freshman in Allison. He asked me, what if we put food trucks on the IM fields and let students use their meal swipes? And I started thinking in the back of my head, what if we partnered with Rams Against, Against Hunger? What if we gave those meals for free to students who were food insecure? And from that one idea, ideas were unraveling. That's the idea behind micro-legislation. We understand that there are problems that we face, and we understand that you are the eyes of the campus. So if we can build a system that gives you the power to make change, that's, that's how we find success. We know that you have solutions to problems we all face, and we want to give you a mechanism to make that change. And we want you to have a, an avenue to accessing that $100,000 budget to make your idea a reality, even if you don't know anyone in ASCSU. That is what I will create if you vote for me for speaker. Hill's showing of the debate was focused mostly on ideological stances as well as on his policy positions and at reducing textbook costs and student fees. He spent much of the debate in a defensive position, such as when faced with criticism for his Greek life-focused fo policy positions, such as his proposal to give Greek life fraternities and sororities their own Senate seats. Moving on to a candidate-specific question, Kyle Hill, why do you feel that Greek life organizations should get representation in the Senate, and won't that lead to double representation for students in Greek life and therefore make their voices more important and prominent? Thank you for that question. I believe Greek life is an essential part of campus. There's too much of this stigma on campus that like Greek life, all they do is party all the time. And they do this, or they do that. They do drugs, they do alcohol. That is not true. As the only candidate on this stage who is involved in some way, shape, or form within Greek life, I know what it's like to be in a brotherhood. And no, it will not give them a double representation on the Senate. A lot, there are lots of seats within Senate. There's SDPS offices. There's all the colleges. I think there should be, there, Greek life is an important part on campus and they should be heard. They are an essential part and, they're, and they, they instill amazing values of brotherhood in which, I, in which they deserve to be heard. Thank you. 
Today had the least substantial showing of the debate comparatively, not focusing much on specific policy decisions or messaging, but rather emphasizing her personal character and qualifications as her main support, as well as focusing on her vision of the position being efficient and impartial. ASCSU is an apolitical organization. My job is to support the people. I do that by making sure the senators can do their job as well as possible. My job as Speaker of the Senate is to moderate the meeting efficiently. And when met with criticism of her stance, she doubled down. My agenda is realistic, it is tangible, and I don't make promises I can't keep. I work for the students, not for myself, and I value policy and not politics. I value you. One of the most interesting questions posed during the debate in the wake of the recent Black Lives Matter protests on campus and across the nation was if campus police should be defunded. Only Reyes gave a definitive answer. In short, yes. The CSU community has made it known that they want those resources to go to the SDPS offices, that they want it to fight food insecurity, that they want it to support the community of students here on our campus. I've been working with the Colorado College Vice President of Outreach on a committee that they have to institute a public option for um, community security so that students are helping students through situations rather than being, bringing police into situations where we know that they arrest and ticket people of color of marginalized identities more than any other population. That's something that we can already do and we can separate from the CSU PD and rely on Fort Collins PD. Dixon provided a more moderate stance on the question. We live in turbulent times right now. There's no doubt about it. No doubt that we, we need change and we see it coming. See, I understood when I saw that the Black Lives Matter was having a rally the other week. I went with my campaign coach, Kevin Clark. Why did I go? Because I believe that every person has their own motivation, their own heart behind why they do things, why they march, why they fight for justice. What does that mean? I wanted to go and experience it. I did it because I want to create an environment of love and respect and dignity. So to answer the question, I would say, we should clarify what are our intentions? Where can those dollars go? Let's imagine and let's paint the picture of what is the environment we want to create on our university campus? Is it investing into the back office, into the SDPS offices That's as a whole? Time. What does that Christian. look like? And I'm open to that. And the other two candidates expressed similar sentiments, with today again focusing on her personal impartiality. The debate ended with each of the candidates again focusing on the primary messages of their campaigns and repeating earlier talking points. Overall, it seemed Dixon and Reyes had the strongest showings during the debate, but each candidate was able to get their points across well. You just heard some highlights from the first night of ASCSU debates. We'll be right back.
And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU. Next up, we're going to hear some sports updates from Jonathan Gillum. Hello listeners, it's Jonathan Gillum for KCSU Sports with the RMR Sports Update for this week. This week we are going to play an exclusive reaction from two of the CSU Rams volleyball team members. They were asked in a press conference some questions about reacting to the canceling of the season. Jacqueline Van Left and Sasha Colombo both got to answer some questions in reaction to the volleyball season being canceled. The players were asked after several weeks to digest the canceling of the season, how they are feeling now. I can go first. I think in the beginning, we were all very shocked about the season being canceled and obviously disappointed because we all wanted to play together and get to experience that. But now that we know that we can't have a season, we're just trying to make the most of every day when we get to practice together and finally being here as a team with everybody is just a great feeling for sure. Yeah, to add to that, I feel like at this point, we just have to remind ourselves that we are practicing for each other and for the love of the game, you know? Um, and by the time competition does come, however far out that is, we're just going to be so ready. Next, this players were asked how they are dealing with this uncertainty of no season hanging in the balance with their morale and motivation. I think in the beginning it was hard because we don't know when we're going to play our next game and with sports usually when we practice we're always preparing for the next game and to compete against opponents and now we don't know when that's going to happen, who we're going to be playing so it's definitely a lot of uncertainty but as Jackie said at the moment we're just practicing like for each other and as a team and to get better both as individuals and as a team. Yeah, I'd like to add just a little too, like just this time has been hard for everyone regardless of their situation. And so I think it really has um, forced us to draw together even more and rely on each other as teammates. Next, the players were asked, what kind of new hobbies they have been getting up to with the season canceled at the moment? Yeah, so I'm actually looking to get some shadow hours at a physical therapy clinic. Um, I'm looking into that now, but I definitely wouldn't have had time for that last fall. On the other hand, I'm trying to experience more of like the Colorado life and being outdoors and just trips, road trips to the mountains and stuff, things that we'd never have the time to do if we were playing games every weekend. How weird is it to, you know, not be mentally preparing for, you know, a weekend full of, you know, big matches at Moby or whatever, you know, right now it's, it's kind of ingrained in what you do normally. Yeah, I think it was definitely hard to adjust to the fact that we're not having a full season because we always play in the fall, so that's what we're used to. But I think we're finding a good balance as a team of showing up to practice and now we're starting conditioning as if it was an off season. And we're just trying our best to switch that idea that this is our spring and our off season. And we're just gonna make the most of actually being together in the gym and in Moby. 
Next, the players were asked how they spent the summer preparing for the season, even though it was very uncertain whether or not they would play or not. I'll admit it was pretty hard for me at first when I was home. Uh, there just wasn't much space to play volleyball, but my dad's a pretty great athlete, so I would pepper with him, uh, hit a ball against a wall, do a lot of body weight workouts. So that was a lot of the early stuff, but I came back to Fort Collins May 18th, um, just because I wanted to get back here sooner. And I knew there were a couple people here, so I was able to start playing some beach volleyball with a couple teammates. And that was a huge just difference to be able to play volleyball with actual volleyball players again. It was hard for me too, considering I was halfway across the world and not with any of my teammates and on a different time zone. So I couldn't usually participate in like Zoom calls or team workouts. But I think even there, I just had to remember that I love being a volleyball player. I love being an athlete. And that's part of the reason why I'm here. So just trying to make the most of what I had in my house, considering it was a pretty severe lockdown and gyms were closed. But I also had family members play volleyball with me and just sprints in the garden, I guess. Then the players were asked what it feels like to be back on campus once again this fall. I'm going to be honest, I love it. I am so happy to be here at the moment. And I think give, having such a long break, I was home from March until the end of July, really made me realize how much I love being here. And I'm just overall really happy. I know it's disappointing that we don't have a season, but we're just making the most of what we do have. And we're actually together now. We get to play volleyball and that's one thing that brings us all together. Yeah, I just, I absolutely love Fort Collins and that's part of the reason I chose to come back a little earlier than I needed to. And it's been cool because I've explored a lot more than I ever have in the past. And now that the whole team is here, I just missed that community that we have and it's been really great to be back. And to finish the press conference, the coach then had one last comment to say about these two ramps. I think it's interesting to point out that, you know, both of these young ladies said they wanted to come back because they wanted to be around their teammates and they loved Fort Collins. And they're coming from San Diego and Milan, Italy. <laughs> so that's, a very, that's pretty good, you know? So uh, I would say we got a pretty fun place to live here. That was Sasha Colombo and Jackie Van Lefte. And that was also Coach Tom Hilbert at the end, kind of getting some inspiration at the end of that interview. And it's always good to hear from the players finally in reaction to this season. So that is it for sports this week. If you're missing that deep dive into sports, we've got wonderful sports shows throughout the week. Articles going up, podcasts, weekly podcasts are happening. And I want to thank everyone for listening. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. You just heard from Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum with some new sports updates related to the volleyball team here at CSU. We'll be right back, so stay tuned to the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU.
And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. Next up, we're moving into national news for Thursday. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is national news for Thursday, September 10th. According to Bracton Booker from NPR, Dallas Police Chief Renee Hall was, has resigned following criticism of how her police department has handled protests related to racism and police brutality. The police reactions most criticized are those during protests following the death of George Floyd between May 29th and June 1st of this year, in which police actions prompted an 80-page incident description in the after-action report, which reported around 50 use-of-force complaints. Renee Hall was the first black woman to serve in this role for Dallas Police Department. According to Sharon Bond at NPR, Twitter is putting a new restriction on content that claims electoral victory before elections have been announced, or posts that quote, attempt to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power, end quote. This new rule is being implemented to prevent the spread of misinformation and avoid any potential liability for election interference. It labels and or removes posts intended to make false or misleading claims that could undermine pu public confidence in the civic processes. The overarching goal is to protect against voter suppression and hide unverified claims about mail-in and in-person voting. Bill Chapel from NPR reports that seven or more people have been killed in wildfires across the West Coast in Oregon, Washington, and California. The strong winds that have fueled many of these fires to spread will be weakening as we get into this weekend, which gives the potential for fire rescue teams to be able to better contain them. One of the deaths from the fires was a one-year-old boy who died as his family tried to get hit get him and themselves to safety. His parents were also burned severely. That's all for today's national news. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins on 90.5 FM. Now for COVID-19 updates with Coda. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is your COVID-19 update for Thursday, September 10th. Colorado State University has 122 cumulative COVID-19 cases as of September 9th, 2020. CSU gives free access to COVID-19 tests, which are available to all CSU students, and information can be accessed by contacting the Health Center. Larimer County remains a medium risk for COVID-19 outbreaks, with 8 new positive cases in 24 hours. There have been over 2,000 identified cases of COVID-19 in the county, and 45 deaths. In addition to this, there have been 445 probable cases that were unable to be con confirmed during the duration of the illness. One in 172 residents of Larimer County have tested positive, and 15 to 24-year-old individuals are experiencing the most cases. Fort Collins carries a majority of all cases in the county. The state of Colorado has nearly 60,000 cases, 7,173 people hospitalized, and nearly 2,000 deaths. Nationwide, there have been over 6.3 million cases and 190,000 deaths. For more information on symptom checking and how to protect yourself, you can visit cdc.gov coronavirus. Information is gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the New York Times, and the Centers for Disease Control. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. And now, for the weather. Today, the weather is pretty cold at a high of 52 and a low of 40, with mostly cloudy skies and winds reaching 6 miles per hour. Tomorrow it will be warming up just a bit with, with more sun and a high of 66 degrees and a low of 46. Moving into the weekend you can expect highs in the early 80s with lows in the 40s and 50s through Monday. Tuesday it will be pretty hot outside with an expected high of 88 degrees and less clouds to hide the sun. For Wednesday, you'll just have to tune in and hear more on Tuesday's Rocky Mountain Review, airing between 4 and 5 p.m. only on KCSU on 90.5 FM. And that's all for today! We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now.
We'd like to thank Asher Korn, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with, and with that, that, we'll see you, see you next, next time. time.